today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. You look at them, they looked very godly, very religious. But on the inside, as we've said many times, they're filled with dead men's bones. They, they, they're now taking every chance that they can get to come and, and trip Jesus up to try and bring some accusation against him. They're listening, but not with a desire really to know the truth. They come again that they might have ammunition to fire back at the Lord as he's teaching the people. Their attitudes, their, their whispers, their false accusations, all of these things are going to have a major impact on these crowds of people in just a few days. Jesus sees right through us. We know this is true because he always discerns the hearts of the people around him, especially the religious leaders who were filled with evil motivations. In today's message with Pastor David, we'll hear how Jesus warned the people about the dangers of following the religious leaders. Nothing Jesus did or said could ever convince them of the truth. Yet he makes the distinction between those who truly follow him and those who do not. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Warnings and Hypocrites. All around us, we see warning signs. There's all kinds of warning signs that we see. Sometimes as we travel driving down the road, we might see a sign that says, slow, dip ahead. I've always figured if there was a slow dip, he shouldn't be on the road anyway, but uh, sometimes we see those signs. We might see a sign that says, caution, men at work, and you know that's not a true sign. It's usually one man at work and three men standing around, okay? (laughs) We see other signs that uh, we might get a hot beverage, and there's a sign on the cup that says, caution, hot beverage. You think, well, that's what I ordered. It should be a hot beverage. But we we all know about the the time a few years ago, somebody actually sued McDonald's because their coffee was hot. If you didn't order iced coffee, you got to understand, your coffee is hot. And then one that someone shared with me uh, uh, just a few weeks ago, a uh, hairdryer that they got. And on the hairdryer, it says, caution, do not use in the bathtub or the shower. <laughs> really? You, you, you know, sometimes you wonder the signs that are out there, the warning signs. Some warning signs, absolutely, we, we need to abide by those. We need to pay attention. While there, there's a lot of others that we pretty well tend to ignore. And a lot of times we come up with the thinking that, well, that might apply to others, but that doesn't apply to me. You know, like the slow curve ahead You know, yeah, I know that other driver, he needs to slow down, but I can take this baby full speed, okay? Now, I'm just talking personal experience here, but (laughs) I'm also reminded of uh, uh, down in Thibodeau, Louisiana, where Boudreaux and Clarence live, and I haven't talked about Boudreaux and Clarence for quite a while. Some of the things that you don't know about Boudreaux and Clarence, they was pastors. 
Now, Boudreaux, he was the pastor of the Pentecostal church, and Clarence, he was the pastor of the Baptist church right across the street. Well, one day they decided they was going to put some signs out in front of their churches, and so they put out signs. Well, Boudreaux handed in a sign that says, the end is near. And so Clarence, he decides he's going to uh, hammer in a sign, and so he hammered in a sign that says, turn back while you can. And so Boudreaux, he decided he's going to put another sign. It says, prepare to meet your God. And by the time he was hammering that third sign in, this car went screaming down the road between them. And this guy leans out and says, you guys are a bunch of religious fanatics. And he kept screaming on down the road. Well, pretty soon they heard the screeching of brakes and then the sound of crashing metal. Boudreaux yells across to Clarence and says, you reckon maybe we should have just put the sign up bridge out ahead? As we move into the 12th chapter of Luke's gospel, (laughs) Jesus gives us many warning signs. You've got to understand, this is near the end of his earthly ministry. Just a few days from now, he's going to be arrested and on trial and crucified, buried. Yes, he's going to raise again. He will ascend to the Father, but he knows that his earthly ministry is nearing its end. And so he's giving some warnings to those that are his disciples, those that are his followers. In chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, we read, In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Well, one of the first things we have to look at is, in the meantime. What does he mean about in the meantime? Well, if you've been in our study here in Luke, you know as we ended up chapter 11, not only had a crowd, a multitude come around him, but we read in the very last verse of chapter 11 about how the Pharisees, they began to assail him vehemently. They they began to cross-examine him about many things. They were lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say in order that they might accuse him. Well, in the meantime... All these other crowds continued to gather around. Even while the attacks of the Pharisees were going on, a multitude of people were gathering around. So many, did you catch that? They trampled on one another. Here we find Jesus and his disciples. They're not in a secluded place away from the crowds trying to spend the last few days. They're not in a place where they can enjoy a time of solitude or a time of private meditation at all. They're right in the middle of this huge number of people, these people that are pressing in to hear what this rabbi from Galilee might have to say, or perhaps he might be doing a miracle or two, and hey, we want to be in on the action. We want to know what's going on here. This whole crowd uh, and and the expectation of that crowd actually goes back to chapter 11 when, again, the multitude started getting gathering together. And, and here in, in, verse, or in chapter 12, we see how they're, they're literally running right into each other, even to the point of walking over, trampling over each other. You maybe you've been in situations like that. It just seems like the crowds are so 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 filled. There's there's hardly any breathing room. We see reports on the news many times. People actually losing their lives as these multitudes of crowds just literally trample over each other. I don't care about you. I want to get to where I'm going. 
you're in my way and I'm going to push past you or push over you, whatever it takes, because I have a place that I'm going. This is what we see here. And Luke uses a very powerful word. It has that meaning literally to trample underfoot. Remember when Jesus was teaching the parables about salt that has lost its savoring, uh, the salt that's lost its saltiness. It's good for nothing other than to throw on the road and be trampled underfoot. This is the very same word that we see here. It has that meaning of to tread on, to bruise, to crush, to injure, to inflict injury or destruction, especially contemptuously or ruthlessly. You got to see the picture here. Where are these people going? Are they, are they going for uh, uh, you know, uh, some big event? Uh, are they going to something that's uh, free food or uh, there's something that somebody's giving? They're going supposedly to hear Jesus. And yet they're coming with this kind of an attitude. I, totally out of control. I, I would assume that one who's being trampled on, he would know, hey, this is totally out of control. This isn't what I came here for. My question to you this morning is, how can those who say that they are followers of Jesus have such a different mindset than the Lord Jesus? How does Jesus come? He comes with gentleness. He comes with meekness and, and mild. And yet here we see some that are his followers. I'm not saying these are disciples. And maybe even more so than followers, they are attenders. They wanted to attend this meeting. They're not really following Jesus, and they come in like stormtroopers. They like, they're, they're coming in like uh, young people running into the, uh, their, their favorite rock concert of their favorite musicians. Hey, I, I don't care about you. You're in my way. I'm going to break through. I'm going to get the best seat in the house. Oh, we see this, unfortunately, in some ways. They don't care really about who's there. Their desire is for the event. Their desire is again, to, to be a part of the action. And, and the problem is, is in the church today, if the church today gathers to be entertained, then it's obvious that they're not going to be moved by devotion to the Lord or love for the brethren. They're just coming in to be entertained. And the unfortunate thing is that in a lot of churches today, people come into the churches not as true disciples of the Lord Jesus, but they come in with selfish desires, they come in with self-serving attitudes, and literally they're willing to trample over one another just to get what they want. Maybe they don't do it in a physical trampling, but they come in with attitudes, hey, that's my seat you're sitting in. Have you ever been there? My, my grandparents bought that seat, and his name's on the back of it. That's my seat. How about, I can't believe that their coffee bar doesn't have lattes, you know. And wait a minute, this is a church. It's not a coffee bar. Oh, I wish they would sing that song. They never, ever sing that song, and that's my favorite song. Can't you get those kids to quiet down? Or, I love this one, the sermon is so long. I actually read a post this weekend. Someone was talking about uh, a, uh, a particular Christian music group uh, or a, a worship song, and a response down the line says, yes, I, I wish they would sing more and less preaching. And I thought, why are we there? Why are we there? 
We should come, yes, to worship the Lord and have times of entering into his presence, but that time of entering into his presence is to get our minds and our hearts prepared to receive from the word. The most important thing that we do on Sunday morning is to, again, be encouraged and strengthened in the word of God. Do we sometimes have absolutely overwhelming uh, uh, move of God's spirit during the worship and our hearts are just broken before it? Yes, and I love those things. But you know what? If we don't have the teaching and the preaching of the word, and I'm not just talking this church, I mean in any churches. If you don't have a solid teaching and preaching of the word, you go away with an emotional high, but no spiritual nourishment. We need to be careful. Why are we coming? Are we coming for an event? Or are we coming as devoted disciples and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's too easy to get caught up in the event and miss the Lord Jesus. These growing crowds were great, and it was great to have a great big crowd. But you know what? If they're not there for the right reason, then the crowd brings problems rather than blessings. The crowd brings then suddenly the, 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 these attitudes, these heart and mind uh, uh, sets that, that again, they, there's a lack of concern for brothers and sisters, there, there's lack of real desire of following Christ. We need to be careful. Along with the growing crowds that were there on that day, the, this antagonism of the Pharisees that were there that continued to grow. And we've spoken about the Pharisees a lot as we've gone through the book of Luke. Again, these were guys who were sticklers for the law, at least on the outside. When you look at them, they looked very, uh, uh, very godly, very religious. But on the inside, as we've said many times, they were filled with dead men's bones. They, they, they're now taking every chance that they can get to come and, and trip Jesus up to try and bring some accusation against him. They're listening, but not with a desire really to know the truth. They come again that they might have ammunition to fire back at the Lord as he's teaching the people. Their attitudes, their, their whispers, their false accusations, all of these things are going to have a major impact on these crowds of people people in just a few days. In just a few days, this multitude mass of people, the ones that are crowding around and trampling over one another right now, are going to be the very same ones that says, give us Barabbas, crucified Jesus. Now, I understand that many of them are still coming with the right heart, with the right desire. For, they're coming with the right reason. There, there is a, a desire to follow Christ in their lives. But there is a growing percentage of them that are coming, that not out of devotion, but out of entertainment. They want to find out, oh, is he going to do another miracle? Is he going to feed us again? Hey, I, I heard that he healed a, a lame man down the road, man. Maybe he's going to do that now. I haven't seen a lame man healed in a long time or ever. And so they're coming for the entertainment value. All of this is happening. The crowds are pushing in. And Jesus then says to his disciples, first of all, oh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Leaven, if you've studied your word very much at all, you know that both in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament, it's the word, it's our word, yeast, 
Ladies, you know what yeast is. Some of you men might know and understand what yeast is and what it does. You know that yeast, if it's placed in a particular environment, it begins to permeate the entire thing. It brings about a fermentation to it. And, and throughout the context of Scripture, there seems to be this emphasis on this its secret, its, its penetrating power, what yeast does. It is, again, in Scripture, uh, a synonym for sin, for sin in their lives. And it'll impact and it'll infect all that it comes in contact with. And this here is a warning of Jesus to his disciples, not, not, not to the mass of multitudes. Luke is very clear to bring out the fact, no, he's speaking right to his disciples at this point in time. Was it the 12 or was it beyond the 12 to the 70 that he sent out in an earlier chapter or even beyond that? We don't know, but to his disciples, those that were true followers of Christ, he comes to them. He says, be careful, don't be infected by the teachings and the attitudes of the Pharisees. He had also warned them earlier, again, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Again, that whole idea, it's that doctrine, it's the teaching, it's the reality of who these Pharisees and who these Sadducees were. This spirit of religious superiority, that leaven of the Pharisees, it removes true devotion, it removes honest humility, and then it replaces it with what we spoke of last week, that facade that facade that comes before you, that, that's not real, it's not true, it's what you want people to believe that you are. Because they've lost devotion with the Lord, because they've lost passion for the thing of the Lord, they build this facade that makes them look like they are real spiritual. Jesus calls it here hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? Well, it's the mannerisms of a hypocrite. That's the way a hypocrite lives. He lives in hypocrisy. The original word actually had a very positive connotation. You know, if you were a hypocrite years even prior to Jesus, that was a good thing. That meant that you were truly an actor on the stage. It would be much like somebody coming up and saying, well, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm a movie star or I'm a television star or I'm a stage performer. And we'd say, hey, that's, that's great. That's a, what a cool profession that is. But then through the years and by the time it came to the time of Jesus, it had that meaning of not being an actor on stage, but being an actor in life. So that you're pretending to be somebody that you are totally not. In the Greek theater, they'd often use those masks to portray uh, uh, one character or another. And that way, one actor, actually, he could portray multiple characters. You know, he brings out the smiley face, and then all of a sudden the frowny face, and then he brings out the evil guy. And so, you know, he can go through the whole play just with different masks on. And there are so many people today that live with a pocket full of masks. And we pull them out at the appropriate times. When we come to church, maybe we put on the Christian mask. Our language is filtered through that Christian mask. And no, we, we speak Christianese very well. We speak it with the best of them. But as soon as we leave here, we take that mask off and we put on our other one. And then we can go and hang out in the world and the world doesn't see anything different because we've got the mask of the world. And maybe that mask isn't really a mask, but maybe that's really who we are because our devotion and our desire and passion for the Lord has been replaced long ago. Even in Jesus' day, 
This hypocrisy was so much. It, it meant that they were pretenders, that they were insincere, that they were not authentic. They were only playing a role. And Jesus warned his disciples. He says, don't be like the Pharisees. Their lives were lives of hypocrisy. And he warned them about these false professions, especially when it compared to their inner lives. Jesus warned his disciples, don't profess one thing and live another. Beloved, I believe that that's a word for you and I even today. Warren Wearsby, I love what he says about this. He says, hypocrisy, like yeast, it it begins very small, but it grows quickly and quietly. And as it grows, it infects the whole person. Hypocrisy does to the ego what yeast does to bread dough. It puffs it up. It puffs it up. Then he says, soon pride takes over and the person's character deteriorates rapidly. He says the disciples might be tempted either to gain popularity by pleasing the crowds or avoid trouble by pleasing the scribes and the Pharisees. All of us want people to like us, and it seems such an easy thing to act the part that others want to see. You understand what he's saying? When you're hanging out with the good old boys, you're, you got the good old boy attitude, mindset, language, patterns. But then when you get with those that you know are believers, then suddenly you put on the, the Christian attitude, the Christian mindset. Beloved, we need to be honest. We need to be honest with each other, but more than anything, we need to be honest with ourselves and with God because no mask hides the reality of who we are to God. God knows, God understands, and God sees. And I love what he says here. Soon, that pride that takes over in our lives and the person's character deteriorates rapidly. You see, when we start living a lie, our our character starts disintegrating before us. And pretty soon, it's harder and harder and harder to pretend to be somebody that we're not because we're getting further and further away from the leading of God in our lives, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and again, the testimony of Christ through our lives. And we might believe that we're putting on a good facade, but believe me, the Lord knows And I believe that others start seeing that. And as I've shared with you before, you can fool me and we can fool each other, but we'll never fool God. Who are we in Christ? Are we the same in Christ today, sitting here in this place, as we were Friday night or last Thursday or this coming Tuesday at work or wherever it might be? Are we the same or do we switch masks and we come in with a different attitude. Maybe maybe for you, you, you've come in hurting this morning and you've gone through a hellacious week. There's there's been all kinds of uh, just uh, horrors that have happened in your life and so many battles that have been going on. But as soon as you hit the door, you put on the mask and when somebody says, hey, good to see you, how are you doing? You say, oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. Beloved, don't do that. If there's any place that you and I need to be honest. It's here with brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And if there's any place that we need to be gracious to one another in our struggles and in our our problems, it's within the body of Christ, within the family of God. We can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliche, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what He did do when He was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. Make us more.